Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the cast. In today's episode, we are taking time to discuss sermons pastors preach from the pulpit and how the content of those teachings may reveal what's going on beneath the surface, culminating in how we as snakebirds should react and respond to what's being presented. That's right, snakebirds. It's another fantastic day to be with you again. And I'm not going to lie, today's topic is one that took me like three days to wrap my head around before even putting pen to paper because (laughs) of who it's focusing on, which would be pastors, teachers, and people in religious leadership. And the main motivation for this episode is bad doctrine and possibly even darker motives that are being pushed every day in the lives of different Christians across the globe. But as I got into my study corner, I realized that there's two categories, really, that need to be addressed here. And that would be, number one, the pastors and teachers themselves. And two would be the believers who need to guard themselves from certain things. And then to extend it even further, I couldn't help but think of each of us who play a type of pastoral role in our families, our Mm. workplaces, um, anywhere we might be. Uh, having an influence as the Holy Spirit, you know, was living in yeah. us, and we're we're just following Jesus. So as I juggled all these things in my head, I kind of approached the topic with um, what pastors themselves need to look out for, uh, what believers need to look out for, and how Satan has been very successful in discovering our weak spots, which can sway us one way or another, and uh, pinpoint smoke before it becomes fire. Oh yeah, that that's a really good way to put it. You know, and for me, as we kind of discuss this, I feel like the topic was birthed from observing an almost weekly occurrence of a sermon that's posted on a social media platform with either shallow doctrine, uh, prideful delivery, or maybe just uh, off-kilter demeanor, uh, which gives a way for the world to really mock the church as a whole. And uh, this is by no means a put a bunch of plasters on blast type of podcast, (laughs) but this is a make sure that we examine what they say and discern if it's from God's heart type of podcast. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. It it, it might sound at first like we're just (laughs) like, these pastors are bad. Yeah. Uh, Let me line up the names. Boom, roasted. (laughs) Boom, roasted. But we have. We've heard a few that have hit the news lately that have just been like, man. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show that you can go to school, you can get yourself a degree in in being a pastor, but you can still preach really bad and and unbased doctrine. Yeah. And and it's like, okay, somebody posted a minute. And so you're like, well, maybe that minute's out of context. And so then you look up the sermon, which is 35 minutes, and you're like, oh, no. The minute is just the worst of the 35 minutes, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or, or maybe even a flowered up version of it, you Ex- know? Yeah, exactly. And and I know that there's things that we all say that if they cut it at the right moment, it'd be like, it sounded like you said, I beat a child or something, you yeah. know? <laughs> and it'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that. But this was not necessarily that instance. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a a little breathtaking when I heard it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know if you guys know what we're talking about, but it's irrelevant because the whole topic, I think you can get a grasp on where we're going with it. And um, I know right off the bat, I kind of I kind of lead into um, the the fact that we do need to to have pastors in our lives and be taught by them yes. and, and teachers and whatnot, because this is a topic. It takes a lot of discernment. 
Um, because the approach that we are to take is not only uh, to follow entrusted leaders and teachers, but to be leaders and teachers ourselves. In First Peter 2, 2, we see that we are to crave the pure milk of the word, the very basic understandings of being a Christian. And then Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 2, that we should be you know, graduating from milk to solid food and understanding God's ways. And part of all this, you know, it falls on us as we decide if we want to truly grow or not. But another part falls on those who teach us and who we allow to speak into our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's why this is an important topic, because every one of us need teachers. Even teachers need teachers. And um, so as every one of us in the body of Christ, um, you know, we sharpen against one another, we'll be growing in a healthier way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something that we totally acknowledge because it's so easy to be critical of a pastor. And that's not the heart that this is coming from in any direction or any case or, or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're wanting to do is make sure that what's being said from the pulpit is edifying and it's really biblical. Because um, one of the things I think that we can identify is do, do they have the right heart? You know, and is it a case of, um, misunderstanding or is it a case of like presentation of really bad doctrine? Yeah. And and I think another thing that we see just even in this day and age is pastors who are trying to be relevant or funny that uh, it starts to come at the expense of biblical truth, which was one of the videos that I saw um, within the last few weeks where it was like, man, I think he was just trying to be a comedian from the pulpit Mm -hmm. and it went way out of bounds. And so that's another instance where you say, I have to be discerning in this because when is the right time to say something or do something? Yeah. And you know, that's, that can be a tricky one because we know that the pastors, they always are looking for new ways to try to, Mm -hmm. you know, pull people in to hear the gospel. Yes. But at a certain point, you know, what demographic are they going after? What, what's their actual motives? Is it, is it a spotlight type of thing Mm -hmm. or is it? Yeah. So that's, that's a good point. Yeah. And another one that we identify all too often is the motivational speakers, Mm. you know, life (laughs) coaches. Yes, exactly. And are they, are they, Um, completely relying on the emotional connection, Mm -hmm. or is it something where they're actually speaking truth? I heard a a pastor by the name of Paul Washer once, uh, somebody asked him, they said, some of these pastors are coming out and saying that they're life coaches. Does that bother you? And he says, no, not at all, because they shouldn't be called pastors. I'm glad they're being called (laughs) life coaches. (laughs) Wow. That kind of made me laugh. But, but, I mean, there's some truth in that. He's like, at least they're being honest, because... Um, and I'm not sure which ones he was referring to, yeah. but that's something to think about. Yeah, for sure. But uh, before we, we dive too deep into it, I do, like I said, I want to touch a little bit on on why we should look up to pastors and learn from them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So uh, we need to honor and learn from our teachers and pastors that have been put in place by God. Um, scriptures in the Old Testament would be like First Chronicles 16.22, Do not touch my anointed ones and do not harm my prophets. And we certainly see the same type of template for New Testament teachers as well in books like First Peter, Titus, First, Second Timothy, where we see uh, that a pastor's job is to protect and shepherd the people and congregations. So there's no doubt that we should respect and be learning from the wisdom of such pastors, but sometimes uh, we see the stigma that if a preacher says, something, we must accept it. Mm. Um, it's the whole don't touch the Lord's anointed yeah. type of thing, which yeah. that, that Old Testament scripture said that. But um, that's where we as fellow servants in the body of Christ should check one another, pastor or not, against the word of God. It's it's not, um, the pastor said it, 
they're a pastor, you believe it in a story. Yeah, yeah, because I grew up hearing that uh, verse quoted a lot. And apparently it's in a lot of Pentecostal and possibly charismatic churches because I didn't grow up necessarily in a Pentecostal, but I definitely grew up in a charismatic church. And uh, hearing that, I started to question it. And doing some research just even in for this episode, I found that um, those two instances in First Chronicles 16 and then Psalm 105, 15, that the holy ones that it was implying um, of course, it talks about prophets. It says, to my prophets do no harm. But the holy ones were almost implying like the patriarchs of Israel or the whole nation uh, of the people of Israel okay. and not necessarily pastors because, you know, a lot of times that can be taken out of context. And then David, when he is um, talking about possibly just <laughs> Saul, <Yeah. laughs> you know, he's like, I'm not going to touch the or harm the Lord's anointed. And it's it's interesting because Saul was actually anointed as a king. But when David says this, he was like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch him. So he didn't strike him or he didn't kill him, but he did confront him. Yeah. He still confronted him to his face. And I found this, uh, which I thought was really powerful. It says, men of God, those anointed by him for pastoral work, don't reply to disagreements, criticisms, and questioning by shutting the mouths of the sheep with don't touch the Lord's anointed. But with work, arguments, truth, and sincerity, don't touch the Lord's anointed is the reply of those who do not have an argument or an example to give as an answer. Yeah, I like that. I I thought that was pretty powerful because, again, I think don't touch the Lord's anointed is like supposed to be the the end all be all of like yeah. uh, conversation enters. You know, it's like yeah, talk to the hand. Well, you know, the thing I like about the the First Samuel twenty four scripture is the fact that David he wasn't necessarily saying what Saul was doing was right. Mm-hmm. He just knew it wasn't God's timing. Yeah, he was respecting that, and I I thought that you know that. That, there's a few different routes that can take when when uh, you're reading that type of scripture. Yeah, well, and I mean, he he was like this. This dude was made king by God. I am yes. not going to kill him. Yeah, you know, and he and he was in that respect. Yeah, but it's it's not. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah that's that that's one that's pushed a lot, isn't it? So we we should respect and honor uh, teachers and pastors and learn from them. But um, we are also commanded in in Acts. I guess, I guess it's not a command, but we see an instance in Acts seventeen ten through twelve where the Bereans were commended mm-hmm. for for double checking Paul. Yeah, and so th- that's something that we can learn from too. It, there's nothing wrong with double checking something that a pastor is is claiming or saying or speaking into your life. That's not a disrespect. No, a disrespect would be something you know if you were to call them you know oh they're not in this <laughs> and that. Yeah. But, but it is. It's good to double check, and we see that in, in Acts and other places. The, like I said, the Bereans were committed for it. Yeah, I think there's so much validity to taking what is taught from the pulpit and actually going home and saying, let me find that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It, because a lot of times, I've even appreciated that a lot of pastors have said, hey, if I ever say something that you can't um, align with Scripture— then let me know because I want to make sure that I'm not outside of yeah. what God is saying. And and that takes a lot of humility to be able to say that. And because, I mean, maybe there, you go and you're like, well, I can't find it and they might get upset. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there is a, a real um, burden on people to 
to be men of the word, to know what the truth is. And a Berean is something I, I feel like Bereans are, are brothers from another mother. They're just snake birds, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's synonymous. They were born born in the wrong era. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Bereans are. They're just, it's synonymous with snake bird. Yeah, that's great. So with all that being said, guys, I think that we need to mention two categories of Christian learning. Uh, Because not every Christian is in the same place. Some that are new to the faith might have to heavily depend on teachers in the early stages of their faith until the Spirit guides them further into their own foundation of understanding, whereas those who have been following the Lord for many years are are able to discern sound teaching much quicker. Mm -hmm. But um, regardless of how much we understand or think we understand about God's Word, none of us will ever get to a point where... We're at the top of the understanding totem pole. Yes, uh, every one of us should be learning until Jesus comes back. So, uh, one, you know, a first red flag in someone in Christian leadership, a pastor, teacher, would be a demeanor of know-it-all syndrome. Mm. Um, and I would be hesitant of any teacher that displays arrogance or supremacy in how they teach to others. Um, and I and I'll say that that's different than confidence because we do see in First Timothy three thirteen that one in leadership should have a great confidence in the faith that they have, but that would be a confidence in the promises of God that they're standing on, and that's different from arrogance. Yes. So there's a big difference. They should be confident in their faith and what they're teaching, but there's a difference. Mm -hmm. So that'd be one red flag. Yeah, and and I think it's pretty easy to spot humility versus arrogance Mm -hmm. because, I mean... (laughs) There, there just is a demeanor. It, that's the best word for it. Yeah. Well, in I, I even the other day I saw a, a, a report. I don't want to call them out is the deal. But mm-hmm. um, somebody said that they always said something that was a little off, but they were such a big public figure. They were just like, that's just kind of the way they are. And yeah. they wrote it off as this isn't one of those things, but it was well, come to find out later. That's why we titled this where there's smoke, there's fire. Exactly. Because a lot of times when you start to identify discrepancies in someone's character mm-hmm. in their or in the way they present themselves, yeah. that might mean that there's something going on. They beyond. might be disguising their smoke as fog and uh-huh. it's it's really smoke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any yeah. anyway. Um so so going forward from this point, I, I really keep those two categories in mind as far as um, new veteran believers with with how I address the rest of the topic on my end, because the only way we can spot red flags is if we know God's word for ourselves. That's the only way that we're going to know if a teaching or a teacher is off kilter by knowing how their teaching differs from what God's word mm-hmm. has said. So... Yeah, and I think you're really um, on the right track of bringing this up, especially for someone that feels like they're a new Christian, Mm -hmm. because they're like, well, I just started going to this church. How can I tell if what my pastor's saying is right? And I think that's where we have to find um, wise people that we trust that are speaking into our lives and actually able to say, this is where I'm teaching from. This is the biblical basis of what I'm saying, because... um, whether you're a baby or or whether you've been around forever, I would encourage all to be snake birds or Bereans. Yes. Even a baby Berean, which is just yeah. fun to say. <laughs> you know, because um there should be no point in a teaching where a pastor can't after the service say, This is the verses that I taught from and this is where I I gathered that in. You know, that should be pretty relatively easy to summarize. 
Yeah. And and like you said, you might a new Christian might not be very familiar with God's word. Mm-hmm. And and it's not the point that that you should be an expert so you can check everything that the pastor no. says. But just a few scriptures that I'd like to bring up, um, just so you know, if you are a new believer, um, you should be checking these things as you get to know God's Word. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't have to be an expert in it, but you're going to read it. And God's not going to hold you accountable for something you don't know. Yes. When you know it, you can act on it. But Ephesians um, 4.14 says, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and craftiness and deceitful scheming. So we see a trickery that can be had in teachers, biblical teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy in empty deception according to the traditions of men according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. Yeah. So remember that you've got the spirit of Christ in you now if you're a new believer, and that helps you discern some of the stuff yeah. as you study the word. Yeah. And it's saying that there's some trickery out there. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff you got to look out for. And then Hebrews 13, 9 is what, and by the way, there's a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a huge list. I'm, we're not going to read them all here because there's just too many. Yeah. But the Bible speaks a lot about being on the lookout for this stuff. But Hebrews 13, 9 says, do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And that's that's a cool verse. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot you can pull out of that verse. But my point in bringing those up is there there is bad teachers out there. There's bad doctrine. There's people who are flat out, they know it's bad, mm-hmm. but they're peddling the Word of God. Yeah. And so, um, you like I said, you have the Spirit of Christ in you, and that's going to help you as you get in the Bible and you yeah. start reading it. And I would add 2 Timothy 2.15, which says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm. And so we are encouraged to be <laughs> in the word ourselves, finding out what it exactly it says. Because while I appreciate that pastors are in our lives as appointed leadership and appointed, um, I guess you would say, guides on this journey, we still need to have our own relationship with God. It yes. still has to be his word to us and not just um, the almost like the Catholic church model for so long where the Bible was only accessible to priests and then it was the priests who had to give it out to the people. That's not the way it should be. Mm-hmm. The Bible is available to us and, and we should be the ones that are in it on a hopefully daily basis looking yes. for what God has to say to us. Yeah. You've got to be in the word yourself. Um, and it's not to gather a bunch of knowledge so you can shoot down bad doctrine. Yeah. It's it's getting to know your creator. And as you grow in the spirit and read the word for yourself, um, God will teach you through the spirit as you read things that a teacher never even could. Mm-hmm. Some things can't even put in the words. Yes. And so the spirit does that for us. And um, veteran Christian or brand new believer, if we start to slide backwards in our dedication of striving to know God through quiet time, studying uh, the Bible, just reading the Bible, praying, then we're going to have a harder and harder time deciphering sound teaching. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I also just want to say uh, James 3.1, which I think is so important. Um, it says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know, we who teach will be judged more strictly. And I feel like there's a warning out there that those that are pastors, those that are teachers, 
those that are possibly even small group leaders, they have an effect on people. And there is that danger of saying, you know, I want to do this because, I mean, if the agenda and if the motivation is only to manipulate people or only to cause people to go a certain direction, then I think there's a huge red flag in that. Yeah. And, you know, it's nice that even God's word gives us a warning saying, you know, be careful before you take this mantle on because you are going to receive a stricter judgment. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And, and guys, I mean, this, this applies to Josh and I too. check us. Yeah. I mean, you should know, you should be getting into God's word yourself and, and, and you should know that Josh and I, we have that scripture that we have to meditate on Mm -hmm. because we are here, whether, whether someone would call us teachers or not, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I, that scripture speaks to me loud Mm -hmm. because God's word is such a precious thing. And for it to get twisted with any type of motive of man, it's a scary thought. And that's something that's a, that's a scripture that is sits on my mind a lot. Yeah. And I, I always have to do heart checks as before we do podcasts as I'm studying and all of that. Yeah, because I even think of uh, the verse from Hebrews that says God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing both soul and spirit. And yet sometimes you see guys that are out there wielding it like a club. Yes. And that is not right. That's not biblical. That's not what God would have us to do. It, it kind of reminds me of, of a quote. I believe it was Mark Twain that says, it's not the things in the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the things I do understand. Mm. And that's one of those things that if somebody truly is getting into God's word to teach it, they're going to run across scriptures like that, and they're not going to be able to play dumb. Yes. They're going to know it. And if they are peddling the word of God for, for you know, bad gains or whatever it is, people Paul warned us about, yeah, they're not going to have an excuse because he, he's warned, you know, those. So that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's something that, that's always set with me, too. That's a good scripture you brought yeah, up. Yeah, he's made it very clear. Yeah. All right. So um, I, I guess let's dive a little bit into um, what, what can draw us into bad teachings. Okay. Um, in, in my opinion, and I, I think it's biblical, is our emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can happen to anyone, whether a longtime believer or a brand-new Christian, because... Um, our, our nature. And let me explain. Specifically from what I've seen, the main driving force and emotional moves towards certain teachings are number one, the need for approval, which is based in fear. And number two, excitement of a new experience in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tricky thing about this is when we need God the most, there's often Satan nearby who offers emotional affirmation that's disguised as false hope. Mm-hmm. So this can be presented through churches, pastors, teachers, whatever. Um, for example, the watered-down gospel, self-help, cheap grace, uh, supremacy, uh, Pharisee-like separation, which can lead to legalism. Uh, the need for a community, just a social club. All of those previous examples, they're usually started off with some sort of personal tendency that we already have, that, that we had before coming to the faith. Um, Jeremiah seventeen nine says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? So before knowing Christ, we are born with a complete sin nature, and the tendencies that come with that sin nature are unique for all of us as far as what we struggle with. So if before you were saved, you struggled with laziness or just living for each moment without a care in the world, 
then the sound of certain watered-down messages of cheap grace might sound really appealing to you when presented by certain teachers. Or if before you were saved, you followed a strict creed for life and were extremely controlled and meticulous in everything you did, then you might be very vulnerable when presented with a doctrine that encourages you to obtain a higher status in God's eyes because you follow rules better than everyone else. Oh, yeah. And just one more example, if before you were saved, you felt completely unwanted and could never seem to gain approval from those who you wanted it most from, um, then a message of community building and social acceptance might sound really appealing to you, and it might be very hard to recognize that the teaching you're taking in has very little gospel truth in it. And every one of those examples could be any of us um, if we fall into that dead end where we try to fix symptoms we are suffering from instead of the root of our deepest needs. And the thing is, in the world that we currently live in, there is the ability in, in most circumstances to get instant gratification. When we hear a certain teaching that gives us an instant feeling of, I'm okay just the way I am, even when I'm not okay, mm-hmm. then we simply pacify the symptoms until they resurface another day. And, and if we do that long enough, eventually we'll hit rock bottom um, to the a point that's more painful than if we had just surrendered um, to solid and godly teaching from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't mean to go all Dr. Phil with this, but <laughs> it, it truly is a very relevant issue um, in this topic that I have recognized over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to something recently that was talking about how if the message is not presented right, then Christianity doesn't become about Jesus anymore. It becomes about basically a moralistic way of life that I can live free of sin or, or I can live a good life because of the power of positive thinking or the way that I just, um, you know, you have the 10 steps to avoid certain things or, um, a lot of times these life coaches, they, they come away saying, now this is what I want you to do versus focusing on who God is in your life and why you're doing it and why we should be focused on Jesus versus on ourselves, Because a lot of times life coaches, they make us the hero of our story. Whereas it's really hard to say that we're the Pharisee or we're the hypocrite or we're the children of Israel that Uh, walked out into the wilderness and in less than a month, we're the ones worshiping the golden calf. Whereas in a lot of life coach sermons, all of a sudden we're David and the job that we don't like is Goliath or the boss that's standing in the way is Goliath. And we yeah. need to kill that giant. Whereas we realized that David was actually um, in that moment representative of Jesus. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I think it's I, it kind of blew my mind just talking about it and kind of listening to it because I was like, man, even that movie facing the giants it's it's not the best theology yes when you when you break it down man as you were just saying all that i just realized that i read a book called authentic worship and it goes into exactly that direction oh, you were okay. just going i was like man i could have brought that to that <laughs> so the next time we do an episode on uh bad doctrine i will bring that okay so that's that's a great point okay so um I don't know if you have anything next, Josh. Um, the next thing I have in my notes is how to keep growing even when we already know good doctrine. Because there's some interesting things I saw in that. I, um, I like it. Okay, so 
Uh, one of the things that pastors and leaders can fall into, especially when we've been studying God's Word for many years, is this mindset where we think, man, I've heard these sermons before, I already know these truths, and we can slip into this mode where we, we don't anticipate the possibility of God teaching us something new from other people. Um, almost like the, the only time we engage others is when we think we can teach them something. Mm. And that's kind of what I, I mentioned at the very beginning with the, the know-it-all syndrome. And that that's a red flag to look, look for, not only in ourselves, but pastors teaching us. And it's a really common thing that I've personally seen in Christians who have been walking with the Lord for a really long time. I have fallen into this before. And for obvious reasons, pastors will definitely, they can fall into this because, I mean, they study God's Word all day long. They can get into that mode where it's just like, I mean, honestly, what can you teach me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the, the major issues this causes is, number one, we stop growing. And number two, we discount other people as less than ourselves. Um, the first one's obvious. If we think we know it all, then we're going to be disconnected from anything that God wants to teach us in the future. But the scarier one is number two, which is discounting others. Um, even pastors can learn from brand new believers when God puts them in the path to do so. Uh, I will never forget the time that I was at uh, the homeless shelter and I was passing out drinks and stuff. And this this homeless guy came up to me and he he spouted off some some doctrine at me. And I remember hearing it, and I was just like, well, in my head, I was like, that's off. <laughs> that's t- totally not right. Yeah. But, but, you know, I'm going to give show him the love of Christ because I'm a good Christian, you know. Kind of kind of had that snobby attitude. I mean, not towards him, but in my mind I did. Mm-hmm. Well, something kept eating at me that night over and over and over. And he's like, go check that. And I went to some commentaries and some stuff, and I checked what he had said, and it was bugging me. And by golly, that dude was right. He, he, and I, I'm not going to get into what it was, but he, he had spoken some life in, into me through God's word that I didn't even know was there, even though I studied, I knew the Bible pretty well at this point in my life. Yeah. And, and I, my sin in me made me discount that person. Yeah. And so I'll never forget that. And, um. I was really blessed getting to know God better through that encounter. So uh, just the takeaway point from all of that would, would be to keep seeking God through not only His His Word, but also through the people He puts in your path, regardless of what you think of them or what you think they know versus what you know. So when pastors or seasoned Christians fall into the, the know-it-all syndrome, the, the next step is, is typically a, a power stall where there's the appearance of knowledge devoid of growth. Mm. So that's that's just one thing that, that stuck out to me in this topic, too. It's a red flag to look for in pastors and ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That made me think of Paul in Philippians when he says, not that I've already attained or I've already arrived, as some uh, translations say. Yes. And I can't help but think that even Paul, the writer of half of the New Testament, said, I'm still learning yeah. and I'm still growing and I'm still receiving. And the minute that we stop growing or receiving, the minute that we become unteachable, it's almost like we become unreachable. Yeah. And I, I think you brought up just talking about how arrogance or knowledge, and I think of um, the, the chapter in First or Second Corinthians where it talks about knowledge puffs up. And, you know, that was, again, Paul just yeah. writing that saying, you know, if you think you've arrived, be careful lest you think you know anything because you're going to fall. Yeah. And, you know, he what better person 
to to speak on the subject <laughs> than Paul. Yes, because he was such a learned yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's even extra biblical sources I've heard that says that, you know, the the, the person Paul was under was it Gamaliel or Gamaliel? Gamaliel, yeah. Yeah. He he couldn't give him enough papers to study because yeah. he just he just soaked it up like a sponge. He yeah. was a very learned person. Yes. And I think he's the best person that could speak on that knowledge that puffs up because yeah. he had it. Yeah. I thank God for Paul every single day because, yeah. I mean, talk about just the most um, unlikely witness that had the most impact. Mm-hmm. No so, kidding. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not quite finished because I went in a little bit different direction because when we talk about where there's smoke, there's fire, and we've mentioned it a little bit, but I wanted to get um, just into some instances where if you're at a church and your pastor's teaching and you hear one of these classifications this is where I would say you need to pay attention and you need to be extremely discerning, um, watching and just identifying, is this biblical? And yeah. so here's the the few things that you might look for. Um, teachings that are extra biblical or unbiblical. And again, you want to be a Berean. You want to filter them through scripture. And if the pastor is saying like, hey, you need to be like this. And he's saying you need to be wealthy or you need to be um, dressing nice. You know, those things are not necessarily in the Bible. So that's one of those areas where you just ask God for more discernment. Another thing that might come up is, again, a pastor trying to be... um, super relevant or extra funny at the expense of biblical truth. Big one. And at the expense is the key word there. Yes. Because I I know a lot of pastors use props these days, and I don't think there's anything wrong with them as long as they fall into what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But I, I saw a pastor who was like all about trying to teach with memes. And again, he went to that extra level where he wasn't within... I think the confines of scripture anymore. Mm -hmm. And it just got sad. Like my heart was breaking because I'm like, dude, you are supposed to be representing the voice of God from the pulpit here and you've lost the plot. So, uh, another thing that you want to watch out for is something to where the pastor says, uh, a message that will benefit themselves either personally or financially. And that can come a lot from pastors that teach on giving week in and week out. Because, you know, one of the sayings that the church I grew up in, and I, you know, it rhymes, so it's got to be true, <laughs> is, uh, is where God guides, God provides. Yeah. And I believe that that is something that happens in churches where if God's in it, he's going to make a way. And That's I, a great rhyme. It, it is a good rhyme. It and is it, very biblical. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, you know, if you're at a church where it's constantly about money, again, just use discernment. Yeah. In no way, shape, or form are we saying, that's it. You need to confront your pastor or leave your church. That's yeah. that's not what we're saying at all. Yeah. But what we're saying is have your eyes wide open and be that Berean that goes, wait a minute, what's the heart behind this? What's the agenda? If you if you hear something along the lines of, if you don't give this money, then God's word's going to be thwarted. That's not true. Yes. Yeah. So. And can I even speak on this for just a second? Yeah. I found this interesting because the king of all prosperity doctrine guys, the pastor that we would just almost say, this is the dude that we can identify with prosperity doctrine. Benny Hinn yes. has possibly um, reversed his thinking about this. This is what he said. He said, 
I am correcting my own theology, and you need to all know it. Noting that he saw the need to change for a while, he explained that he has not yet gone public so as to avoid hurting friends who hold this view, which, I mean, you kind of need to. Um, He says he thinks it's an offense to the Holy Spirit to place a price on the gospel. He said, I'm done with it. I will never again ask you to give a thousand or whatever amount because I think the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it. I think that it hurts the gospel. He said he no longer cares what people think of him, and he recognizes that he now won't get invited places. If I hear one more time, break the back of debt with a thousand dollars, I'm going to rebuke them. I think that's buying the gospel. That's buying the blessing. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. Those who give should do so simply because they love Jesus or they shouldn't give at all. I think giving has become such a gimmick that it's making me sick to my stomach. I think it's time we say it like it is. The gospel is not for sale and the blessings of God are not for sale and miracles are not for sale prosperity is not for sale. Wow. That's a pretty strong statement from a guy who not too long ago, you know, was really um, staying in like $5,000 a night hotels. And I heard that he was tipping like hotel bellboys and stuff like $2,000. And yeah, that man, and if you, YouTube, I'm sure has plenty of examples (laughs) of of Benny Hinn's uh, previous ministries and, and what those look like. But that takes a lot of guts. One thing I just thought about as I heard you read that, because I've heard Benny Hinn in the past, and mm-hmm. to hear that come out of his mouth is such a 180. I think of it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of, an, of a needle than to, to go to heaven. Yeah. I think of the one example where he just reversed it. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Because that is a, a lot of these... Um, bad teachers are getting very wealthy and they're peddling God's word. Mm-hmm. It is so hard to turn from that when you've made a lifestyle of it. Yes. And so, man, that, that is such a cool thing to hear. Yeah. I hope it's something that's real. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that course. was in, um, the gospel coalition. So that was online. That's and really cool. Apparently his nephew is serving at a church and he's like, I hope it's real. <laughs> you know, like even his <laughs> nephew was like, I hope that it's real as well. I hope that it's a, like, wow. it's going to stick. So, and, Praise and God for that. you know, we talk about, there is a, there's a difference between confessing and repenting. So yeah. hopefully he has, um, he's repented from the old ways. Yeah. So anyway, if you find a pastor again, saying things to benefit themselves either personally or financially, or like you said earlier, refuses to be humble. And if there's just an air of arrogance and knowing everything, then that's an issue where you want to just use a lot of discernment. Um, Another instance is maybe having a really heavy political agenda outside of God's direction, you know, and um, I think that's just another red flag or an instance where you should be using a lot of discernment. And then the last thing that we said, we've covered this uh, quite a bit is motivational speakers or life coaches. You know, and one of those, I'm just going to say the name that we need to be watchful of is Joel Osteen. Yeah. You know, we really need to watch out for Joel Osteen because um, I found this. What Joel Osteen pushes is a shell of legitimate biblical Christianity at best and a dangerous counterfeit at worst. When all you have to offer is materialism and emotion, you're not an evangelist. You're a motivational speaker who borrows religious terminology. 
Nothing Osin says is going to help a person with legitimate questions about faith and salvation. His message won't build real disciples. There's no more substance for the believer than for the unbeliever, nor is his message going to sustain faith in a crisis. When things go bad, people realize God's blessings don't come merely because they think happy thoughts. And if personal prosperity is the measure of their success as a Christian, then Osteen's teaching has merely set them up for a fall. A true preacher of the gospel does not avoid any topic, especially crucial ones such as sin and morality, simply because some people don't like to hear it. And true men of God don't emphasize material success and positive emotions over the truth. Sincere or not, honest or not, well-intended or not, Joel and Victoria Osteen are not preaching the gospel, and neither are other prosperity teachers. Osteen and his ilk should not be supported by those with a love for spiritual truth and concern for the lost. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sorry to just call somebody out like that, but... Well, hey, this is this is the Snakebird podcast, and we're, we talk about relevant things, mm-hmm. too, and that's that's a relevant preacher. So I, I know I've heard some preachers say, well, I'm not about calling out names and stuff. Sometimes there's a need for it. Yeah. Um, we could even... You mentioned the political one. Um, we we got to check all teachers. I, I noticed myself that um, Franklin Graham mm-hmm. has really... More so than his father ever did, from what I've seen, he's gotten very political. Mm-hmm. Um, 50% of his posts on Facebook, 50% of it will be a Bible verse at the bottom, and the, the top 50% will be correlating it to the political things currently. Mm. Yeah. And you got to ask you now, that that's a first red flag that's crossed. Yes. Now, will that red flag travel into something else? Maybe, maybe not, but mm-hmm. it is a red flag. Yeah. If you're mixing political... Josh just talked about the prosperity side. Well, that's another one. I had great respect for Billy Graham, um, and, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I do with Franklin, too. Yes. I haven't followed him as yeah. much, but... Yeah. Um, you know, it's just the red flags that we got to be on the lookout for, especially with these really popular, um, I know people call them rock star pastors or mm-hmm. whatever, and uh, you might not like that term, but it's the red flags, especially um, when you're in the public eye like that. Yeah, and what's wild is I've heard of people coming out of Joel Osteen's ministry and actually getting involved in another church that had deeper theology because yeah. he he kind of whet their appetite, but they wanted more yes. because they felt like what he was offering was pretty shallow. And so I don't know. I mean, you know, that's a really good point you bring up. This is something that I've actually been thinking about over the last several weeks is sometimes I, when I hear someone preaching bad doctrine, I, I discount them as a person almost in my head because it irritates the fire out of me. Mm-hmm. But I, I've thought about that, too, that the body of Christ is is of so many different cultures, so many different people, so many different um, mindsets that get introduced to Christ and grow in Christ mm-hmm. in the sanctification process. And like you just said, there's people that have come out of Joel Osteen's ministry because that's where God had them. Their hearts received that little droplet. Might not have been full gospel, mm-hmm. but it received a droplet that the Spirit had them there in that place at that moment for that reason, which led them to a stepping stone. Yes. And so that's a good point to to point out. Not that we want to just sit here and point out and judge people no. who got bad doctrine, because 
God works in such mysterious ways. He might have you. And it's kind of like we mentioned at the beginning. You might be a brand new believer that has to rely heavily on other teaching. And Mm -hmm. you might not find out until much later that that teaching you first got introduced to it might not have all been there. Yeah. And that's kind of what you just said yeah. there. And so that's that's something to keep in mind. You don't have to be in such fear of bad doctrine that you de- never go to any church. Yes. Yeah. So. And, and God, maybe he's not putting that specifically as the way that he wanted it, but he can use any situation. Yes. And if you're like, I like Joel Osteen's ministry, then don't discount us right away. Go and look at it. Yeah. Make sure, you know, look up the interviews where they ask him about sin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's something that we need to be as snake birds is really with eyes wide open. And so, again, we're talking about red flags. We're not talking about, yeah. like, over the line. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's what I tried to point out with, with Franklin Graham, too, because yeah. I wasn't trying to throw him under exactly. the bus. Yeah. But it's a red flag. Yeah, because Franklin Graham, I mean, from... A lot of the times, the outside looking in, he's done some fantastic things. Yeah. But I I appreciate, we talked about John Piper a lot. I appreciate his views on politics. He's like, I don't care about America yeah. necessarily. I care about Christians. Yeah. And if we're going to go full circle with this, I mean, mm-hmm. John Piper and some other Calvinistic <laughs> preachers, yeah. they can they can be very red flaggish when it comes mm-hmm. to supremacy in that Pharisee-like, we've been chosen, you haven't. Exactly. So there we go. We're going full circle with this. We respect people that are preaching the gospel. There are red flags, though, to consider. And all pastors are men. Yes. And all men are fallible. Only Jesus is not. And you find a mistake in somebody, don't don't let that give you a heart of judgment towards them. Yes. If you need to move on, move on. Yes. But um Yeah. 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 And and now I'm gonna turn the heat up a little bit because I do believe that we need to identify out there if there are false prophets that are posing as pastors. Because we have that verse in Matthew seven fifteen that says, watch out for false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By your fruit, you will recognize them. And then Paul in 2 Timothy 4, he talks about preaching the word, being prepared in season and out of season, correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what itching ears want to hear. And then even 2 Peter 2 acknowledges that Um, in their greed, there are teachers that will exploit you with fabricated stories. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I was just asking is that who's to blame sometimes for some of these things? Is that the pastors that are sharing bad teachings or is it the people for staying and listening? And, you know, I mean, we're not necessarily out here to cast blame. What we're wanting to do is to um, just get that opportunity to either confront bad teaching and, and deal with it head on or to vote with your feet and exit from that situation when it is um, beyond red flag. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one more I would throw in there is Jude 1.4. It says, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Mm-hmm. And um, it, there's a lot of scriptures telling us to be on the lookout because there are devious um, 
people that get into to preaching into into uh, religious leadership that have agendas that yes. sometimes are very hidden. Yeah, and so we got to be on the lookout. Um, I would say First John four one through three. Um, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just something that the Bible speaks a lot about. Yes. Yeah. And and I know that we're kind of rocking a line right now of saying, hey, is your pastor just having some red flags in the way that he's presenting a material? Or uh, on the other side, have they become a false prophet because they are speaking completely against what God's word says? Mm -hmm. And let's just say, to go back for a second, that maybe they're saying some things that are considered red flags. Now, if you're listening and you're like, this is extra biblical, but I love this church and I love this pastor. I know that this is the man that God has placed over my life to speak into me. There is an opportunity to go and to uh, confront them. Uh, 1 Timothy 5, 19 and 20 says, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that they may take warning. Mm. So there is an instance where you can go and you can say, hey, I think you're off on this. You know, because yeah. a lot of times you're like, I don't want to leave my church. Yeah. I don't want to just exit, you know. Yeah. And I think there's an opportunity to talk about it because, again, hopefully in humility, somebody's going to go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that that's where I was at. Yeah. You know? Well, and, you know, the, a great verse for this, one that's always taken out of context, is in relation to church discipline. Mm-hmm. Because, because, and the reason I say this is because what Josh just said is very scary to go and approach a pastor to say, I think your doctrine might be off in this way or that. And the scripture is where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. Yeah. And that is in the context of church discipline. And so to, to go to a pastor and you're not disciplining your pastor, but you're going to him with a concern about, about doctrine or whatever it is. And you have a promise there from God that Jesus is going to be with you in that moment, giving you strength enough to do that. Yes. It's a scary thing. Yeah, it is. And I love that scripture in relation to this because, yeah. man, I would be very scared going up to a pastor. Yeah, it, it would be intimidating, especially if they say, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. then, but then you would go, okay, well, you're not being humble because, yeah. you know, no man is above reproach. No, yeah. no one's above rebuke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which, you know, it's interesting that you just quoted Jude um, because I wanted to just, as I finish what I've got right here, just ways to safeguard against unbiblical teaching. Uh, We already mentioned it. First and foremost, we've mentioned it several times is know the truth by being a Berean. Hmm. The second thing uh, is contend for the faith. And that's from Jude 3, and it goes into 4 because it says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write to urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. And that's the verse that you uh, quoted. And that whole contend for the faith is is virtually be a, a watchman on the wall. Be somebody that stands up for what the Bible says. And yeah. and not again in that prideful, um, actually way. Sin sniffer. Yeah. Yeah. But be a, be a bastion of God's word. Be a vanguard. Stand in the gap. How about that? Yeah. Be someone that stands on the truth, immovable, 
having that firm foundation because you are grounded upon the rock. I think I, I just mansplained it. But. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you zeal to do such things. There you go. Exactly. And then the last thing was declare the truth of the word. And this is something that your pastor should be doing. But in your life, you have a leadership role amongst your family or amongst your friends, uh, those that you're speaking into, because in all ways, a pastor, what it means is it means servant. And this is what Paul said in Acts 20, 27. He says, for I have not avoided declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And that's that's something that we need to be able to do is as we grow in our faith, whether again, we're brand new Christians or we've been saved for 60 years, We want to make sure that we study this book from cover to cover because it's God's love letter to us. And every single word, every jot, every tittle is relevant and it has a meaning and it has a purpose. And so um, if there's anything that you're like, I don't know about that, then it's a perfect time to just jump in and, and learn. Yeah. Yeah, pray on it and get in God's Word and, and find out. Yeah. And it might be one of those things you have to chew on for a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And that's okay. Yeah, because there is the, there are those questions that we come to and we go, I'm going to file that in the, I'm not so sure yet. Yeah. Well, you know, and I've, there's been times in my life that I've approached this scenario and, and I man, I'm not very patient. And I'm like, I want an answer to this situation now. I yeah. need God. But sometimes you, you got to pray on it and you got to, you got to chew on it for a little while. Yeah. And, and find people resources, again, of people that you trust mm-hmm. that you can ask certain questions yeah. to. And and that's what I'll close with is that if you have some issues where you're like, I think this might be a red flag or I have these questions about the Bible, you know what? We're available. Yeah. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to share in those questions. And if we have answers, we'd love to, to come back and, and kind of bounce those ideas off you. And um maybe we can just have a conversation. So uh, if you want to reach out, I would encourage you to do so through our Facebook page and send us a uh, Facebook message directly, or you can even send us an email at connect at basnakebird.com. That's right, guys. Please reach out to us. Um, there might have been things y'all y'all have heard us say on, on one of our episodes that you want more clarification on. This mm-hmm. would be a perfect time of us inviting you to reach out to us and say, hey, what about this? I heard y'all say this one time or whatever it may be. And some of your concerns or even ideas might be something we've never even thought of before. So we yeah. would we would love for you to reach out to us and, uh, and have that conversation with us. And obviously, we love you guys. You're our brothers. You're our sisters. We want to be praying for you. We want to know um, what's going on with you. So please reach out. Yes, by all means. And I would also encourage you, please pray for your pastor. Yeah. Because they're going through a lot and they're... If they're walking in what God's calling them to do, they're they're in the thick of it. And yeah. these last couple of years with COVID and everything have not been easy on them trying to navigate how to do church and how to reach people. Yeah. And with our episode just now to send uh, armies of people with heavier eyes upon every move they make, you're going to need... Um, excuse me, you took a right step when you should have taken a left. Yeah. That's not what we're calling you no, to. But Josh, I couldn't agree more. You pray for them. They're, they go through things that we can't really always fully understand. Yeah. So please be in prayer for your pastor. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Snakebirds, always remember, whatever you do. Wherever you go. No matter what life throws at you. There's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus. And be a snakebird. Snake
Yes, and pastors say, talk to the booty because the hand is off duty. <laughs> I've never heard a pastor say that, but I will take your word for Don't it. Don't touch the Lord's anointing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Dude, it's killing me too. Yeah. It, yeah, I think it comes. Ah! Did it get? Oh, I got it. It went oh. in my mouth and I crushed it. Okay, that's disgusting. It, it comes over here and then it goes over there. So yeah, there was one last week too, like a fruit fly almost. It's a gnat. We're starting to get them. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay. Sorry dang, about that. Dang gnat! It. I don't buy it. Okay. Where was I? I think of it's easier for a rich man. Oh, dead gummit. Um. Watch out for sheep's <laughs> sheep's. Watch says bye bye. Watch out for sheep's hoof uh, kick. Hoof kick. <laughs> we have <laughs> uh, dear friends. Although I was very eager to write to you about the sale, um, let me say. I'll just make noises with my lips. Oh, I like both those. I, I've heard them, but I don't know okay. what they mean. <laughs> A bastion. I've heard that, but I don't know what it means. What is a bastion? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know, but I can't just like... Yeah. Okay, snake birds, always remember. Whatever you do. <laughs> I was thinking of Three Amigos when he goes, Line. Because <laughs> he's, he's stuck and he's like, yeah, forgot that. Line, wherever there's injustice. <laughs> Line, <laughs> wherever they're suffering. <laughs> that, was, that was a good movie. <laughs>